Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. The team at Cobra Golf are set to introduce additions to its collection of king putters, making the offerings available in a sleek black colorway, the perfect complement to the limited edition black LTDX drivers and king black wedges. The lineup of black putters includes both king 3D printed and king vintage series models, along with two new mallet styles, the king Cuda and Cuda 40. All King Collection putters come standard with the Cobra Superstroke Traction Tour 2.0 grip and KBS Tour 120 shaft. The new additions to the King 3D printed and vintage series will be available from July this year. For more information on the entire King family of products, visit cobragolf.com. This is the 19th tee here in Marsh. Nathan Drudy back with you for the second time this week. Drew's the good to have your company as always. Happy to be here, KM. We flagged at the back end of the PGA Championship review that a few things had happened uh, over last weekend, understandably uh, lost in the fanfare of the action from Oak Hill, but we felt necessary to cover because they are important. And so we have a brief, uh, a mini, if you will, episode Mm. coming your way uh, this evening. Um, First and foremost, some great results over in the U.S. as it relates to both the U.S. women's and U.S. men's opens and Australians qualifying or at least advancing in the qualification stages of those two tournaments. So I want to start with the uh, U.S. women's open Mm -hmm. uh, because that is a confirmed spot in this year's tournament at Pebble Beach for Gabby Ruffles. Uh, An incredible season has got even better for Ruffles. Of course, we mentioned... Uh, just in recent weeks, she'd won her second Epson Tour event of the season. She only requires one more win on the Epson Tour this year to automatically um, promote to the LPGA Tour. And she's booked her spot in the US Women's Open uh, via the 36-hole qualifying event at the Vancouver Golf Club last week. Uh, she finished at seven under par, winning by two shots and securing her spot in the field. Of course, the US Women's Open richest Prize pool in women's golf, US $10 million. Minji Lee is the defending champion of that tournament, which she'll go and defend her crown this year. But Druids, uh, Gabby Ruffles continues to trend um, in a rapidly upward direction in terms of the trajectory of her career and booking a place in, in the US Women's Open seemingly pretty comfortably with a two-stroke victory at the qualifying event. Uh, just reward for what's been an incredible few months. Yeah, well, I... You know, I think we we often talk about the crop of talent coming through the women's game as being arguably stronger than the men's side. And, you know, we've waxed lyrical about Gabby many times before. And and there's no doubt that, um, you know, experiences like playing in a major are going to just do her the world of good, even if, you know, the results don't go her way in terms of I'm sure she's got goals around playing the weekend, making the cut, whatever it might be. But if um, if things don't go her way, a little bit like Dave Michaluzzi, uh over the weekend um, at the PGA Championship, just the experience that it's going to give Gabby is is going to be enormous. So, um, yeah, it's incredibly exciting for her. Um, and I think, you know, she's, she's slowly slash quickly 
rising up the ranks of um of Australian women's golf. So yeah, for for me, it's just going to be about the um I guess the experience that she's going to gain by playing in a major championship, and not to mention obviously the uh the prize pool that you mentioned there is going to uh, is going to help too if she can get to the weekend. Third time she will have played the US Women's Open. She actually finished in a tie for thirteenth the twenty twenty Open. Um having won the 2019 U.S. Women's Amateur the year prior, which earned a spot in the 2020 field. So, you know, she's not, I suppose, unfamiliar with the environment of a major championship. And T13 is an amateur at the time. Incredible finish. One thing that is fortuitous is the timing of qualifying for this event at Pebble. Uh, she's, of course, a Trojan. She plays a college golf at the University of Southern California. Not exactly a home game. But it's somewhere, and she even said herself in the quotes, one of her favorite, if not her favorite, golf courses in the States. And somewhere she's played on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily going there. Um, we spoke in great depth about Pebble recently on an episode. Mm-hmm. If you missed that, make sure you come back and have a listen. But an historic venue in golf. Um, one with you know a great presence, as you described when you went there, and a place where she seems quite comfortable. So that will be, no doubt, an advantage for Gabby when she uh, arrives at the 2023 Women's US Open. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I think selfishly, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, uh, seeing how, I guess, Pebble sets up. Um, you know, it's got such a great, great history in the game. So to to host, uh, I guess, what's going to be an historic event and and for Gabby to be in there. I'm not sure how many Australians that leaves us with in the field, Marshy. I don't know if we have that number off the top of our head. Probably uh, we, not. We don't. We don't but, um, as yet. It's going to be good regardless. So, um, yeah, really exciting for, for Gabby and I guess Australian golf as well. And and like I say, it just it's another feather in the cap of the uh, the women's group coming through. So, yeah, pumped for, for Gabby and I'm sure we're going to have a great contingent there as well. And we will, of course, uh, take a look at that tournament ahead of time. Uh, the US Women's Open coming up at Pearl Beach later in the year. On the men's side, Drew, it's no confirmed spots, but uh, advancing through local qualifying, uh, mm. two of the favourites of this podcast, our great friend, the wizard, Justin Warren. Yes. Uh, he did it at the Country Club of Troy, which is a great name. Uh, he finished, where did he finish, Droots? He didn't win that tournament, but high enough to advance through. Yeah, he had a 67. I think he was either first, I think he might have either been first or second. I can't remember. But it, it, this is how bad our research was, Marshy. Before we hit the button, we should have just gone through and clicked a few more buttons because there's a couple of other Aussies that I've found that have got through. But if you keep waxing lyrical about the two that we know, I'll, I'll finish off the work here and then you can um, then you can round back to me if that works. So it's interesting in the sense that uh, we often find it intriguing to plot the path of people out the back end of the Australian summer who haven't mm. picked up status on either the European or the PGA tours. Now, for for Wiz, uh, we've spoken to him in depth on this show about his journey through the US, particularly last year where he went deep into Corn Ferry Tour qualifying school without necessarily getting all the way. He loves the States, of course, played his college golf at um Little Rock in Arkansas. Uh, he goes to the Country Club of Troy in New York State, I believe it is, Drudes. Yep. And plays well enough to go through. Um, Gale Force is the other one um, that we were aware of prior to the beginning of this episode. And from what Drews tells me, we're going to add a few more to the list coming up. But uh, Daniel Gale actually had a win uh, mm-hmm. at his sectional qualifying event 
Uh, Drew, do you have to remind me if it is too much trouble? No, with current I'm sure you can see my eyes scroll. It was the Gailey one. Uh, yeah, I do have that. Your yeah, eyes that's the, are working harder than your hands. Uh, the uh, Paramount Country Club. He had a 67, so he's through to the uh, through to the next stage as well. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, had the Gailey, had the win. Yeah, yeah, Gailey winning that sectional qualifying to give you context uh, on what or I suppose the significance of sectional uh, qualifying or what they call local qualifying in the US Open system. So um, the US Open's tagline famously is from many one. Uh, What the US Open hangs its hat on is it is truly the tournament that you or I, Drudes, could, um, by a stroke of miracle and one of the all-time great heaters, actually play not you and i physically but people like you and i in the states and the fact that you can turn up you can play local qualifying you progress through to final qualifying and then they take i believe it's 56 i'm just checking the numbers here out of qualifying events um yeah 59 i should say uh, out of qualified events go into the field of 156 at the u.s open Mm. at the la country club in 25 days time so to give you some context of what uh, Daniel Gale and uh, Justin Warren and who, the others who that we're about to list off have achieved was a did win. We should remember. We should should mention was that. a did win. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Shouldn't take the win away from the wizard. Um. So a win for was a win for Gailey. Let's rattle off the others actually before we contextualise the achievement. What else are we looking at from an Australian perspective in sectional qualifying in the US? Some elite level padding from you just then to allow me to get <laughs> to, the, to the bottom of that list because it's not pad. a very not a very uh, not a very handy uh, website. So yeah, obviously uh, in terms of friends of the show, Waza and Gailey, as you've mentioned, uh, Hamish Murray, um, an amateur who uh, I'll put my hand up and say I don't know much, uh, if anything, about Hamish. Uh, he finished T2, actually, at the Territory Golf and Country Club in Oklahoma, so he goes through. Jack Trent, uh, T4 at the um, Casablanca Country Club in Nevada. Grant Booth, um, T3 in Arizona. Aaron Price, T4 in Dallas. And uh, at Pine Wild, um, out in Pinehurst, Matt Goggin uh, getting through as well. So um, a grand total of what I could find in my very hastily uh, researched number. Uh, we've got two, four... Seven Australians going through to the next round of US Open qualifying, which is fantastic news. Obviously, a long way still to go in terms of things, but uh, yeah, that's great news that that we've got seven going through. And uh, no small feat from Matt Goggin, might I add, not least of which because it was at Pinehurst, uh, mm. which is a challenge, even on a good day, but uh, primarily because I would suggest most of Matt Goggin's attention right now, um, despite being based in the US, is on finalising Seven Mile Beach. <laughs> yes, on, that's very uh, true. The coast of Tasmania. Yeah, twenty-five minutes out of the Hobart uh, airport. Yes, uh, so good for you, Matty Goggin. Um, so to contextualise the achievement, um, in terms of progressing through local qualifying, nine thousand six hundred and ninety-three competitors entered into local qualifying events around the United States, 530 people progressed. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about roughly 5% of people who entered have progressed through to the next stage of which those seven Aussies are within that group. So an enormous achievement we will keep an eye on. Obviously, um, ironically, despite it being a 5% success rate, it's probably this next stage 
um, of the five thirty kind of going into final qualifying and then getting in amongst the 59 who actually qualify for the field is, is harder. It's kind of like getting your um, handicap from one to scratch being mm. the hardest actual jump in golf. But we will keep a keen eye on progress. Um, last thing I want to say on this, seems like, um, and I haven't done this for a while and I'm reticent to go too deep, but I just feel like, uh, yes, we host a podcast. Yes, we're deeply invested into Australian golf, but probably would have been a good content piece for the Golf Australia website to maybe just do a nice sort of wrap-up on progress of the Australians um, doing sectional qualifying in the US rather than you or I having to probe through the US Open and USGA website. I mean, I know there was a major happening. I know Cam Davis finished a tie for fourth and had a great weekend, but a little, you know, 300-word wrap-up on the website today probably wouldn't have been a big ask. Just Would, saying. Have, would have helped us out greatly, but... Uh... We'll uh, we'll we'll mm. continue to keep everyone updated. So good number going through, which is exciting. So happy to Excellent see that number. Um, and then just briefly, another news, Druids. Uh, only one other thing I want to touch on tonight. It kind of slipped under the radar, mainly because there was a major championship happening at the time. But late last week in Brisbane, uh, there was the official launch of the twenty. 20- 23 Australian PGA Championship returning to Royal Queensland at the back end of November. Uh, we will be well and truly into the swing of coverage of the Australian summer by that stage, and we look forward to bringing you comprehensive coverage of that event. Um, it was launched, a promotional event, as with most things, when there's state government contracts involved and politicians like to um, be front and centre of good news. Um, so it was well attended by um Local sporting personalities, a couple of members of the Broncos, and Guzman Kawaja was down there from the Brisbane Heat. Bit of a hit and giggle um, at the South Bank Beach. If people are familiar with Brisbane, they had a little setup with a floating green and hitting off the sand of the South Bank Beach. So a nice visual. Uh, announced the tournament, and then in amongst the uh, subsequent press conference, an earnest uh, journalist who'd clearly done a little bit of reading did, in fact, ask a question of the tourism minister um, mm. here in Queensland, Sterling Hinchliffe, who also happens to be the Minister for Sport, uh, whether or not there'd been any conversations with either Greg Norman or any other representative of Live Golf about bringing an event to Queensland, given the raging success of the event Live Adelaide at the Grange Golf Club. And Minister Hinchliffe did in fact confirm um, that Tourism Queensland had held at least preliminary discussions with Liv about the possibility of an event in Queensland. So I just thought it was good to get on the record uh, because, as we know, uh, we set it off the back of the huge success that was the event in Adelaide. We'd be surprised if there wasn't more than one event in Australia next year. We know that Greg Norman spent some time in Melbourne prior. We know that um, allegedly he was heading up to um, Joondala uh, mm. as well over your way uh, post the Live Adelaide event and it seemed as though Queensland now throwing their hat in the ring as well. Not surprising. Um, maybe surprising to those one or two members from the Grange Golf Club who've been vocal and made headlines around the world um, about their dissatisfaction with the state in which their course was left. They sound like they'd be wonderful dinner guests with those people in Tasmania opposed to the stadium and the team down there as well. Um, boo progress, as they say. Uh, <laughs> but not at all surprised, Druids, uh, that the Queensland government now throwing the hat in the ring 
for an event, given the economic impact and really just the eyeballs that were on Adelaide for the period of that tournament. Yeah, well, I, I guess that's three, uh, well, four states that we know that have had definite conversations. One of obviously went went through with it in South Australia. Um, Queensland, of course, there was uh, the conversation sort of pre-schedule uh, coming out around live of the conversation uh, in New South Wales. We're not sure what that club was. Um, mm. I'm also told over here that Lake Caranup was uh, – that Greg toured Lake Caranup while he was over here, so sort of exploring two options. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that the um, – that Live Golf is going to have too many eyeballs on local events here in Australia, but the WA Open is being played at Joondalup this year, which – may give some level of indication of what that might be like in terms of hosting a um a, a tournament because it's not the greatest uh, spectator course um mm. so it might just might be a little too difficult with uh, given the numbers that live attracted so yeah certainly getting some traction uh to to um i guess get another event here in australia so it'll be uh, interesting to see if any of that uh kind of comes to fruition km i, think I do yeah um, yeah, I think it is. I think it's gonna be fascinating, to be honest, to see what they do. As do I. I know for a fact that there were definitely conversations held between Brookwater here in Queensland uh, and Live Golf mm. prior to a confirmation of the Grange getting that event. Um, and I'm sure that they weren't the only ones. I'm sure the conversations with clubs around the country. What I find fascinating is two things. To me, it's different when it's in Adelaide because Adelaide is a market ignored by the tour here in Australia. It's the it's the lift and shift of the model in America. We're going to go to a market that's been ignored traditionally by the home tour. Having it in Queensland, let's face it, if it's in Queensland, it's in Southeast Queensland. It's not mm-hmm. going, with all due respect to our friends tuning in in Townsville or Cairns, it's not going up there. It's going to be in Southeast Queensland. The tour's blue ribbon event is in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 that dynamic, that's completely different to it being played in Adelaide or Perth yeah. for that matter. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, to a less extent, Sydney or Melbourne, but that's a very different dynamic of it being in the same market. Yes. And I also think it's interesting that I'm not surprised now, not only because it was a huge success in Adelaide, but because there's a difference being first past the post. Adelaide literally had to outbid everyone else. There's a yeah. difference now being Queensland or Western Australia or New South Wales or Victoria competing to be the second because mm. you're not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily become about, you know, it's going back to Adelaide, that's red. So now it's probably a strategic decision more than anything else rather than a fiscal one for Liv about where we go. Mm-hmm. First one always going to be who's paying us the most money, Correct. who's the most accommodating, who's going to make it work for us. This second one becomes about, as I said, it's 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 what makes most sense. And yeah, yep. that's that's fascinating. So a definite watch this space. Completely agree. I actually have a couple of things that I have just found. If I can bring those to the table very, very quickly, I'm going to keep this Please. very short. Um, there is golf still going on in Australia at the minute. The Pro-Am circuit is on. It's been over here in Western Australia, actually. Uh, Dean Lawson um, got the win at Lakelands, uh, the Pro-Am up there by one stroke. Um Tom Addy, who is a uh, amateur from over here in WA, quite highly touted, won um, probably the 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 biggest of the ones that we have in the Joondalup Resort Classic 
which was run over the past couple of days. So back-to-back 67s for Tom Addy. He won that today. And our good friend Aaron Wilkin actually won down in Quinana. So um, congratulations to Aaron. He uh, turned down the opportunity to play with me at Hammersley Golf Course to go and have a practice at Quinana, which I thought was unbelievably rude, but uh, did him a great, uh, great deal of um, satisfaction because he managed to get the win. So I'm only joking about it being very rude. Three quick results. Uh, one just that I've pulled from Golf Australia here came out a couple of days ago of things not super interesting for, for most people, but I'm sure we'll have a look at it. Um, three changes to the Golf Australia board coming up um, as well, Marshy. Including, I, did, I did see this, yes. Yeah, including uh, Andrew Newbold um, of probably Hawthorne Footy Club, Uh would probably be his his most known role. Um, mm. So he will conclude his second and final three-year term as an appointed director next year. Um, and then we've also got two uh, board vacancies as well as elected directors. Um, so they'll be done in October. And the last thing I've got, Marshy, is the Cameron Smith Scholarship um, has been awarded for this yes. year. Uh, Jeffrey Guan, who we know is just an immense talent, uh, and Western Australia's uh, Joseph Buttress were the recipients of that scholarship. Um, Joseph was in the same group as uh, Mika when I caddied for him and um, didn't put his best foot forward that week, but very young uh, and, and can play. I think he's won a couple of sort of junior amateur titles in South Australia and Tasmania, so he's going to be a very good golfer. They are the five things that I wanted to bring to the table that I am wrapping up in 90 seconds. There was one other, and it's okay. just occurred to me that it happened. I'm in a mad scramble to get back on the Golf Australia website to find a result. There was a team event, Drew. Okay. State-based team event. Oh, yes, there um, was. I did see this. A week or two ago, which I just thought it would be best to make mention of. There were some... Names playing in it. Harrison Crow uh, played really what you'd imagine be one of his final events um, mm. as an amateur in the New South Wales side. I uh, saw Lincoln Morgan, the brother of Jed Morgan, the Queensland side. Connor Fuchs, another well-known amateur, played as well. The, are you uh, talking about the Oz Interstate? That's I think exactly. that's what you, Yes, New that's South exactly. Wales. Uh, yes. New South Wales won that. They beat South Australia uh, in the final. So yeah, some good names in there. Jai Picken as well uh, in New South Wales. Very, very good player. Jai um, have seen mm. him play a little bit um, over here in, in Western Australia. So some good names. Yeah. Good, good call out. Um, I could be completely wrong. I am of the understanding from memory. New South Wales lost both of their games on the opening day. They lost at least one. Uh, so they have genuinely come from the clouds because it's a, I believe, a three-day tournament, not the type of tournament you can really afford to drop many, if any, matches. So they have right. genuinely uh, the the equivalent of you know six wide at the turn, and they've they've, they've screamed down the outside uh, to take it. So congratulations to New South Wales victors at the interstate. That. Dare I say, unless mm. there are any final bids, is probably it for the week. A big one, obviously, if you haven't listened to the PGA Championship review from the beginning of the week, make sure you go back and listen to that. Uh, first time we've had a little two-episode in a little while for the week, so I hope you've enjoyed 
our voices. If not, um, <laughs> give us why, some feedback. Why, why have you listened? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably a very fair question. Uh, we always um, enjoy the feedback. You know, obviously more four or five stars than one or two, but either way, uh, if you like it, if you don't, we are um, not averse to feedback. So make sure you share it. Make sure you're getting involved in the questions of the week um, via the Instagram particular pages, but also the Facebook pages. The most recent one uh, we posted, Drew's, was how often are you keeping school? Mm. Which I actually found really interesting because uh, probably more often than not, I haven't done a great deal. Um, I actually played a little nine holes on the weekend, which is rare for me, playing mm. in general, but getting out. And it was really nice. I played in a, a four ball and we played... Um, we played a we played a little bit of four ball, not best ball, a little bit of four ball aggregate score on the whole match play. Um, so nice. it's good. I really enjoyed it actually. Um, that's probably the first time I've genuinely counted my shots for a little while. But it was good to see we had probably both ends of the spectrum um, in terms of people being very earnest in their scorekeeping, um, and you know those that just said it's it's more for my mental health that yes. I just take the walk and. Um, enjoy being out in nature for three or four hours, which is very much aligned to where I'm at, I yeah. think, in terms of my golf. So that totally. was good. So, yeah, keep an eye out. That'll be posted Friday, Saturdays each week uh, as we kind of flag when we launched it. Some provocative, um, most, if not all, you'll no doubt have an opinion on, so we encourage you to share it. And, uh, you know, we'll provide some of the best answers each and every week. Drew, that'll probably do us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, my friend, to talk to you for an extended period of time uh, across this week I enjoy that as always uh, good to see the Oregon wardrobe <laughs> another run still it's getting on about a once every three episode rotation at the moment for the 19th tee so that's, that's good that's right uh, for those tuning into YouTube uh, and we'll be back uh, as always in your ear early next week 